Today I am talking with Gina Cava Cavaliero. <laughs> I just totally screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> that was close, Cavaliero. <laughs> Cavaliero. <laughs> I apologize. Even I even asked how to say it earlier. But um, she is from Green Acre Aquaponics, and in the aquaponics community, they are actually um, very well known, and not only because they run a, a very uh, you know, actually profitable aquaponics farm, but they are also educators, and um, I'm really privileged today to be able to talk to her. So, Gina, can you tell me first, um, you know, what got you started in aquaponics? Sure. Um, it was kind of uh, at a necessity to a degree. Uh, we had stumbled upon aquaponics and were just enthralled with it. You know, it was we, we started playing with it and doing some little systems and setups at home. Um, and at the same time that we had been introduced to aquaponics, uh, we were experiencing a, a major downturn in our industry. We we were in construction and had a large contracting company and had weathered some of the, the downturns up until then. Um, but we had gone from residential housing to commercial to multifamily and expanding into the entire southeast U.S., and it seemed like we just kept chasing work and there was less and less of it. Um, and we needed something to do. We needed a job, um, liked working for ourselves, and started researching aquaponics and aquaponic farming. And at that time, there really wasn't a whole lot of info out there. There really wasn't a whole lot of folks doing it. And most of what we did find said, it doesn't work. Um, but we kept doing our own research, and everything we researched, it it made sense. It, it looked like the inputs were low enough, the cost and the overhead were low enough, and if we could secure a reasonable market and a good price for our crop, everything we figured made sense, and, and we decided to, to go for it and, and decided to create our farm, and that was pretty much in the beginning of 2010, and we started building in um, – May of 2010, so we just had our three-year anniversary from when we actually broke ground on the farm. Wow, wow. So you guys were always kind of, so you didn't start off as, uh, you know, like backyard hobbyists. You, you you were always wanting to start as a uh, as a commercial business. We did. I mean, we pretty much jumped in it right from, from the get-go. Um, we were glad to have built some small systems beforehand, Um not that we didn't make mistakes on our big system, but we at least had um, some of those were tempered by what we experienced with our small system. <laughs> right, right, right. I hear you. So when you got started, you know, what was the biggest mistake you made in the beginning? Oh, you want one? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, we had a lot of mistakes in the beginning, really. Um you know, a lot of it was just around we just really didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we had taken some classes, but there wasn't enough out there to teach us every bit of what we needed to know to operate a farm. You know, it, everybody can pretty much figure out the aquaponic side of it. You know what I mean? You, you can figure out how to, to, to manage the plants, how to manage the fish. Um, but then there was, okay, well, how do we harvest this? How do we ensure that the integrity and quality of, of our product um, and we went through a lot of mistakes and a, and a lot of bad product. Not that it was bad, but because we didn't know how to harvest it correctly to maintain it. 
Um, so there was a whole learning process around how to, to to harvest lettuces and things of that nature and, and keep them good and how we can package it. Um, so there was this huge learning curve on trying to figure out how to get this wonderful stuff we're growing to our to our clientele. How do we get it to market? Um, so probably our you know, our greatest mistake might have been not being prepared well enough, but at that time there was nobody doing anything to really prepare you. So um, right. uh, a big part of why we've kind of gone the direction we have with education, because we really want to see this this flourish. We want to see more and more aquaponic farms. So uh, as much as we can do to help people understand what we now know, um, we want to share that. Yeah, yeah. So with that, with that harvesting, because... Um, it's interesting. I was listening with uh, to another interview that you did with um, Murray Holloman, and you said that you do your harvesting like before the sun comes up, or something we like do. that. We do. And um, um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering why, what, you know, how come? Um, most products, most crops uh, have better uh, integrity in, in when it's the sun's not up. When the sun's up, they're they're photosynthesizing. They're actually working. Um, so let's let's say that they're in more of a dormant state or um, they're not awake, for lack of a better term, um, when the sun's not up yet. Uh, so what's called a stigmata is not open. So for something mm. like lettuce, if we, if we cut that lettuce at that point in time, it actually helps maintain its stiffness or what we want to call the crunch, the crispness, crispness to lettuce. Whereas if we try to harvest that product during the day, um, now it's 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 stigmata is open, it's 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 taking in sunlight, and if we cut that product, odds are unless it's really cool out, that that lettuce is going to be limp. It's not going to stay crisp. And of course, we want want to ensure that you know even though we might be harvesting it that morning and the clients buying it that afternoon at the farmers market, you know it might sit in their fridge for five days. And well, we want to make sure that that product is still in good condition five days from now. So the time and, and the processes that you actually harvest have a great um, impact on that product being a nice, crisp product and, and staying that way for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, um, you know, what's the most important lesson that you've learned, you know, to make aquaponics successful? Uh, diversifying, I think, um, in, in a couple different ways. Uh, we early on we we started with just deep water culture and we had you know uh, we grew a lot of lettuce a lot of herbs and what we found is that our clientele which was it was um, farmers markets it was a online buying club which is now just actually an online produce store um, and restaurants and across the board every one of those different client groups wanted diverse product. They loved what we could grow. They loved the lettuce. They loved the herbs. And they said, okay, well, where's the t- tomatoes, the cucumbers, the peppers, the eggplant? They wanted more because everything we grew was was great, but they wanted different things. So really um, it became really important to diversify our growing systems. So we have six different types of growing systems that we now integrate into our farm. Um, so we have media bed, flood and drain. We have two different types of vertical applications. We have a wicking bed, and we have NFT. Uh, so our focus has been figuring out what we can grow in different applications and which application works best for each crop. Uh, so everything kind of has its home on the farm. Um, and what that's done is it's enabled us to go to the market with multiple products and satisfy that demand. Uh, so I, I think by far the most important thing for us was being able to satisfy the different types of clientele we have so that diversity is not just in the crop selection, 
but the diversity in our different types of clientele also help as well. Right, right. And are are you guys able to do in this in this hybrid system? Are you guys still able to do um, all of it just with one pump? We actually do. Uh, right now, our our whole system is uh, connected. Everything is fed off of one one main fish area, fish space. Um, and uh, right now, we're, we're kind of maxed out on on, on our growth space uh, based on that one system. We're running about a total of 2,500 square feet of growth space off of, um, say, 1,600 gallons of, of fish space or, or wow. 1,600 gallons of fish volume. Um, so, you know, and that's 2,000 square feet of DWC, 200 square feet of media bed, um, 120 lineal feet of NFT. So, you know, each each little system has its own dimensions that comprise the whole 2,500 square feet. Um, and going forward, when we do expand, which we will, uh, we'll start over again. We'll, we'll start from scratch and, and put in an entire new system rather than still feeding off of that same one. Wow, yeah, yeah. So um and then in, in, in your in your fish tanks you're still doing kind of the Rokosi style where you have the tanks that run through the uh the the filters and the 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 um the different things that he did to to, to clean out the fish waste or did you just stick with uh just a fish tank and then through the other things now that you have just a media bed? Well, on our, on our large commercial system, we have both. Uh, we have two outflows coming off of our fish tank, um, and we, we believe it's real important to keep those solid settling, those solids containment uh, tanks active, because uh, what it does is it gives us the ability to meter how much of our flow is going into um, the, the media bed and how much of it runs or diverts and, and goes straight to the DWC. Uh, because right. what we didn't know is that we have these rather large media beds and, you know, nobody had really done anything with them at that size and with this high of a density. And we wanted to have a safety in there so we could ensure that we would never overwhelm those media beds with too much fish effluent effluent or waste. Uh, so what right. we do is we can kind of, we have a, you know, a valve that we can adjust and we can send more over to the media beds. You know, let's say it's, uh, you know, or it's in the middle of summer and feed rates are high and our fish population is really high and we're producing a lot of waste, we might send, you know, a higher percentage through those solid containment areas. And that way we can always make sure we never overwhelm those media beds, have too much uh, waste going in there, creating anaerobic uh, pockets or conditions. Um, now, with our small systems, because we have some backyard systems, a small system as well, we don't have those solids collection features because it's it's a lower-density system. So we're not worried about it in that application. But when you're, when you're growing for money, when it's commercial, we definitely like we, – we are all about safeties, and, and that's probably one of the biggest safety features in our system. Right, right. So, you know, let's say that someone wants to, you know, start a commercial farm um, – you know, what would you recommend for them to be a, you know, a profitable farm? Um, well, definitely it, it's going to be, location is going to be important. Um, you know, the, and, and to a degree that every place is looking for clean, naturally grown food. So, um, but you know, depending on your, your temperature, your climate, if you're going to do this up north, you're going to have um, more overhead and costs than we incur here, especially if you're going to have to do it inside with artificial lighting. Um, so I would say, you know, probably the most important thing is to do your due diligence up front, um, ascertain what your costs, what your inputs are going to be, what your market looks like. Can, you know, is is there a viable market there for 
um, aquaponically grown products and clean products? Is there going to be an interest and a demand for it? Um, and then the other thing is get education. You know, take a class. There's there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, you know, so you know, I'm not even saying just take ours. You know, take take more than one if you can. Um, the more you can learn, the better off you are. Um, but definitely approach it from a business perspective. Um, I think there's a romanticism about farming. I mean, even I had a romanticism about farming. You know, I wanted to be a farmer, and you kind of got that image in your head of the, the red barn and, you know, overalls and a straw hat. But we kind of t- seem to forget about the business side of it. And without the business element, farming will fail. Um, so definitely um, do your due diligence, do your research, get an education, and then be sure that you understand how to approach it as a business. Yeah, you know, I, I I remember you even mentioned that, you know, in in your in your course, your class that you do, that you even spend time teaching people marketing and search engine optimization and and things like that. And I thought, you know what, that really is, you know, because you can you can learn the science of aquaponics and how to make that work, but you know, it's like just because you you build it doesn't mean people are going to come. There has to be something. You know, you have to sell your your product to someone, and just because it that you grew it doesn't mean someone's going to buy it. That's absolutely correct. You know, so definitely the, the business side of it and how to market, um, how to have a an online presence, how to build a community, build a, a tribe, because uh, that's really quite integral into what we do. Uh, we have a great relationship with our community. Uh, we do a lot of education. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the education has been about why people need to eat clean why what we have to offer is something important for them, for their families, for their health. Um, so there, there's a whole lot of different pieces that kind of go together into making an aquaponic farm and, and a successful business. Right. And, you know, so you know, how, would you, how would you go about, you know, if you're just wanting to get started, how would you go about deciding, you know, what you're going to grow? Because, you know, I, I was at an aquaponics conference this last weekend here in Hawaii, and um, they had a whole commercial section, and one of the guys goes, you know, we can't all sell lettuce, <laughs> you know, because, you know, they were all selling lettuce, and if everyone sells lettuce, then, you know, it's just going to, you know, it's it's just going to run out of, uh, you know, you have to keep dropping your costs and everything. So, you know, how, how, would, how would you decide, you know, what to grow and what to start selling? It's, it's good. A lot of it's going to be dependent upon your market research. And sure, if, if we have an abundance of aquaponic farms and we're all growing the same thing, there's that risk that will saturate that market. Uh, so I think that's where our hybrid approach uh, kind of works into this whole scenario because we have the ability to diversify what we're growing. Um, but again, it's, it's, there's going to be some limitations with aquaponics. We may not be able to grow Every, you know, it might be able to grow a lot of stuff and most things, but now we have to look and see if that crop, um, perhaps it's uh, green beans. Maybe it grows really well, but we'd have to look and see if, it, if it's a viable crop. Is, is it worth growing it and occupying the amount of space that it will take? And how does it compare to something else that's established, like lettuce? We know what those yields are, what it'll produce. So now we have to kind of start looking back and forth and comparing. Um, and sometimes those numbers aren't always the same. 
you know, I, I do grow crops that don't get as good a price as lettuce does. However, there's that diversity. That means that that client's going to come and shop with me because they can get five things as opposed to making a stop with me and buying just lettuce. So there's, there's right. a trade-off there. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And then do you guys do you guys work into your business plan or teach people um, you know, not only diversifying the the plants but also you know, diversifying the income streams, you know, so, uh, like the, the, the farms here in Hawaii, they, they, they're obviously profitable by selling across, but then they're also doing tours and they're doing training schools and they're doing, you know, things for the, you know, the cruise ships come in, they'll bring them to the farm and they'll do, you know, organic dinner and, and education and stuff like that. So is that something that you guys teach as well, to not only diversify your crops, but diversify your income streams? Absolutely. Yep, that, that diversification is a pretty important element. Um, we diversify, obviously. We, we do education. We do system sales. Um, we have tours, that, um, private tours for a fee, so that's part of our diversification. Um, even things like uh, creating, you know, um, seedlings for sale. There, there's a lot of different ways to generate some different types of revenue. And in my opinion, it's very important to having a successful farm business because there's there's different reasons why farms do not always generate the same amount of revenue around the year. It might be because we're waiting for a crop to come in, um, and it might have a good two- to three-month grow time where it's not producing revenue. Uh, we can have crop failures, farm setbacks um, from pests, from weather, um, and and, and there's also the added benefit of generating revenue that can help fund farm growth and, and expansion. So we're, we're big proponents of diversifying your revenue to help make a more resilient business model. Um, and really that carries over from even what we did in construction. You know, we started out as a small painting company, um, and, and it just – people came to us and said, you, you do such a great job with this. Why don't you do our drywall too? Okay. Well, why don't you do our stucco too? Before we knew it, we were doing 13 different trades. Um, wow. <laughs> what that did is when you know when everything started to tank, and, and the, the smaller companies that could only provide one service, we stayed, We hung in there a lot longer because we had several services we could offer. So, you know, regardless of the type of business, I think diversification of revenue streams is important for a business, and I, I think it's even more important for farms, um, regardless if it's aquaponic or traditional uh, we've in our own area we've seen a couple farms in the last year that were traditional go under because they relied solely on their farm revenue um, if they oh, had yeah. had some diversified revenue maybe they could have weathered those those tough times and and that's part of the reality of farming you're dealing with nature you're dealing with growing things um, and it's not like you're producing something that the biggest setback might be a you know a, a machinery breaks and, and you don't your production numbers aren't met that day as opposed to a harsh freeze and you lose an entire crop. So right. you know, any time you can have different types of revenue coming in, it just really helps to weather that. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, on, on the flip side, if, if someone wanted to start a, you know, commercial aquaponics business, what is something that they should not do? Should not do? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say it would have to be like the opposite of not getting, not doing your due diligence. I, I've, in starting it with borrowed capital, I mean, I'm not talking about investment capital. Um, the one stands out in my head. I, I hear from folks probably 
almost every day that want to become aquaponic farmers. And, you know, one that stood out in my head a year or so ago was a gentleman that was going to use every credit card he had and max them out, and that was what he was going to use to generate his, his farm. That was going to be his startup capital. So, um, you know, approach it like a business. This is, this is something that you have to have a plan, you have to be informed, you have to do your research, and then you have to have enough capital to ensure that you can get your business operating and profitable. And that, for a farm, could easily look like a year perhaps even longer, depending on where you're at and what you're doing and the size of your farm. Um, So, you know, I would say just to be sure that you've kind of crossed all the T's and dotted the I's and make sure you have enough capital to to get you through that startup period. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) It's pretty amazing that you think just to run run your credit cards and and then Uh, hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, goodness. You know, and he he was quitting his job. You know, so there was not going to be any kind of, you know, income coming in, and he thought that he could do this, get this thing built, and, you know, 90 days, I'll, I'll be making money. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's kind of scary. It, it's the, the stories that we don't want to hear about or we don't want to see because imminently that's going to fail. And and every right. failure, you know, every, you know, tick in the failure col- column for aquaponic farming is is just more knocks against the industry that this isn't viable in in our our society the way we grow food everything is it's paramount that we figure this out to be a, a feasible business opportunity so more people can do it and have a greater impact with it. Yeah. Well, you know how 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 many times a year do you guys do your um you know your training on on doing the commercial side of aquaponics? Um, right now, uh, like for this year, for 2013, we have three. Um, we already had one in Florida in the, coming out of winter. It was like February. Um, I guess that's still winter. It wasn't really cold here. But um, <laughs> we're doing one next month in June uh, in Denver, and then we'll be back in Florida again in the fall, uh, probably be late October, early November. And, um, you know, right now it's three. We might go to four, um, but three seems to be a pretty good number for right now. Right, right. And what 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 city are you guys located at in Florida? We're in Brooksville, Florida. So we're about an hour north of Tampa, about an hour west of Orlando. All right. And so in the in the the commercial training, you have your your training at your farm also, but you guys go visit other farms in the in the Florida area. We do. I haven't in a really long while, <laughs> uh, just because we're we're always pretty much going nonstop. But um. Yeah, there, there's been a couple other places we've we've visited. That's yeah, that's great. Well, so if someone would want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, it'd probably be through uh, either one of our websites. We do have a website for Green Acre, um, and that's www.greenacreaquaponics.com. Um, or it could be through what we call our Farm Revolution site. Um, that's something that we talk about a lot. Um, is the farm revolution because we, we just want to see uh, agriculture revolutionized, and we think aquaponics can play a huge part in that. Um, and that website is www.thefarmrevolution.com. Great. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate you talking with me today. A lot of information. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we we'll hope to hope to actually see you one day and maybe go and take your course. 
Well, that sounds great, and it was, a, it was a pleasure to get to talk to you today. It was a lot of fun. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review or go to www.aquaponicsforeveryone.com or like us at facebook.com slash aquaponicsforeveryone.